The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like our show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. And if you want your own podcast, go to pod617.com to get started. It's the Boston Podcast Network in Pod We Trust. My colleague and sidekick for the day, Paula, is here. Yes. How are you today? Everything's good. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning to you. What's the weather like where you are, Paula? Beautiful, chilly, and wintry. That's a optimistic way of looking at things for a New Englander. I just say, it's getting friggin' cold. I actually went out and bought a brush scraper for my car because... I'm sick of looking for it, and it's like it's somewhere deep in the trunk, and that's how lazy I am. But you got to have a brush, right? You got a brush, right? I have a brush. I definitely have one. Okay. I hope I don't have to use it very much. But you oh, know, I got to say, Dave, it is really beautiful. It's fresh. It's still. It's just. Oh, it's friggin' cold. <laughs> no, it's not so bad. If it's not snowing and it's the clear. It can kind of get you around the depression of the sun setting at 4.26 p.m., which bums me out. Anyway, you know what doesn't bum me out? Featuring business owners on this podcast and entrepreneurs, professionals doing interesting things. We have a return visit to the show for my friend, Margaret Burke. Let's welcome her to the show. How are you? I am very well on this beautiful, crisp, cold, <laughs> sunny day. Oh, the two of you can go to heck. So Margaret has just formed a new venture called MB Law Firm Consulting. It's very exciting. Before we get to that, I, I call you Margaret, but do you go by a nickname ever? No? I don't. Oh, okay. No, I go by Margaret. How about as a as a little girl, people called you Margaret? Margaret, so, be honest. Maggie, okay, Margot, and I. my least favorite was Madge. Yeah. <laughs> and we won't ever use that. I'm sharing that. I can't believe I shared it. But yeah, so please okay. call me Margaret. <laughs> done, done and done. So, so the last time we spoke, you were, you were with a different outfit. And what prompted you to go out on your own? Sure. So I, as David, but the audience may not know, yep. my background is in managing law firms for a very long time close to 24 years. Mm -hmm. And then I went out with a startup to provide consultant services to law firms. And then recently I launched my own company. And I would say the primary, there's always a lot of reasons, but I would say the primary reason was wanting to really provide services to law firms in a way that I feel very confident is, is will have an impact on them. So a lot of consultants will focus on their internal processes to provide services, which is very important. Law firms can be unique and that they have a wide range of needs. And I, in my business, 
I have processes and systems I follow to provide excellent service, although I mold those to meet the specific needs of the clients I work with. So that is a very long way to say that I wanted to really, I saw a need in the market and I wanted to fill it my own way. So, I mean, what, what you're doing is providing advice to lawyers to help them better manage their practices, manage their firms. And the you can like sort of insert lawyer joke here. I am a lawyer, so I'm allowed to make them. But you must be very busy. I think lawyers are often, outside of trial lawyers, lawyers are often poor communicators. Then You don't necessarily get taught how to get along with others in law school. Am I right? You can be right. I will <laughs> share that I have found. So when I worked in a firm, it was the, the communication can vary depending on the folks you're working with. When you're a consultant, typically the firm, always the firms I work with want to improve and they want to change. Mm. And therefore the communication is better because they want that change. If that makes sense. Yeah, when does. you're in a firm, not, not usually everyone wants to change. Communication can be a challenge. And lawyers do have a certain way of communicating. And because I've been doing this for so long, I don't take some things personally that perhaps someone else may when speaking to an attorney. Even if they call you Madge? I'm just kidding. They wouldn't do that. So <laughs> don't worry. We're not going to spread that. Well, it's not such a bad name. I don't know. It's not stinky pants. I mean, come on. It could be worse. So your mission is to improve lawyers' lives by assisting with law office management that take away time from billable hours. So. What's a typical crisis that, I don't know if the crisis is the right word, but issue that a lawyer would come to you and say, Margaret, I really need help with this. Do you do that? Like, give me an example, please. Sure. Yeah, I'll back up for one moment. So my services are a combination of project work, which goes back to the original, you asked me why I went out on my own. Yeah. I saw a need for project work and I also am available for long term. The project work I do involves assessments. I'll come in and I will evaluate the way something's being done. Mm. I'll make recommendations. And then what makes me different is I then implement on behalf of my clients, working with the internal team and train the team to continue to make sure it's maintained. So a typical typical request I've been receiving, I received this in the past and it's really common now, is one is the profitability of law firms. Firms are trying mm. to identify how to be more profitable. Mm. And often it's a combination, obviously, hours that the attorneys keep and how they bill. Mm. But what really can have a big impact, and this is where I've had a number of requests, is operations. So I don't think that people realize that the operations of the law could have a significant impact on their profitability. Many firms are still doing things in an unautomated way. And they also have situations where people in the firm are doing things very differently. Like departments, it's almost like they're a separate entity sometimes. So and that can really be a drain on profitability. Mm -hmm. So I've had requests to come in, take a look at how they're doing things, everything from the intake to the offboarding of clients mm -hmm. and document what they're doing, identify areas where they're doing great and making sure everyone at the firm is doing it the same way are making improvements. Another area that is... Actually, it seems very popular right now is, and it makes sense that it is, is developing partnership tracks mm -hmm. 
So what I mean by that is many law firms will have valued associates. They'll also be trying to recruit really high value laterals. And a question that comes up quite often is, well, what's my future here with the firm? If mm -hmm. I stay or if I join you? And many firms, some firms have a great structure in place, but many actually don't. And they end up spending time addressing that question as it comes up. And so I have been working on with a few, I, I did this recently for someone and I have it, someone else I'm about to start working with, is developing a track. And the track has to really be realistic and aligned with what the partners are comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So partnership track, document assessment of what they're doing now, establishing what their goals are, and then creating a written template that they can actually use and explain to the firm and to recruits. There's also been a number of firms that are planning to bring people into the equity pool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's another area. And that that tends to be easier for larger firms to do, but smaller firms quite often haven't done this before. It's usually a founder. It's their baby. They grew it. Now they have people that want to be part of the equity and they're not sure how to proceed with that. So I've been involved in that. And then I'd say the last area is mergers and acquisitions. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is I have been involved with helping after day one, I'll call it, a group that joins a firm, make sure that they're integrated. They have a point person to ensure that they know, you know, what the systems are, who to go to. Things as simple as, I shouldn't say simple, but things that tend to sometimes cause problems after in an acquisition is even the software integrations. Often the new group comes on board and they don't really have a person dedicated to them who has time to make sure that they're trained. They know who to go to. They feel welcome. And I will serve as a liaison between the acquiring firms, typically it's a managing partner, our executive committee, and the incoming group to make sure that things go smoothly. So you mentioned the partnership, partnership track things. I imagine that's very important to really kind of avoid the crap hitting the fan in the future. If you, I mean, if a firm didn't really have written down what it takes to become a partner and they happen to promote just a white guy over a minority or a, or a young person over an old person. I mean, that's with my lawyer hat on, I'd say that that opens you up for liability because, but if you got it written down, you can point out and say, well, you didn't do these three things you're supposed to do. Is that part of it? It's interesting that you say that. I have never had anyone bring that point up, to be honest. And oh. I think that's a really valid point. It's it's great to have it written down, one, to show the process and make sure it's fair. So that's that's mm -hmm. great. And I'll use that because that's actually a really good point. And then the other is... That one's for free, Margaret. Yeah. People can... People, we all want to know what we're working towards. We want direction. We want goals. And it helps keep people focused. So it's not just the track. It's not just the act of bringing someone into the partnership. It's the act of setting expectations and align with the firm being profitable and successful. And everyone knows that that's expected because it's in the partnership track. So I always recommend that that document is shared with everyone at the firm, including support staff, paralegals, associates, because I don't think it should be a secret what the firm wants people to do when they're part of the team. 
So you mentioned a lot about communications about some de- depart. Sometimes some departments don't know what the department across the office is doing. And so here's my question. Say you've got a law firm of about, I don't know, 20 people or so. How often should they meet as a group, if at all? The entire firm. Yeah. Or I'd the or the, par- the or the partners. What is it? What is some typical advice you might give about meeting? Because yeah. we've all had meetings, and many are better than others. So, and they could be a pain yeah. in the neck. So go ahead. So I will share two things. One is at the partner level, once a quarter, you really do want to keep an eye on the finances. I also think most partners slash attorneys want to be in a loop, mm-hmm. and if they you know, once every three months, I, I think it's manageable. Also, with ongoing updates, though, I think it's very important that if there's a decision made that impacts people, they should get an FYI, like FYI, to keep you in the loop. Having said that, the second point I want to make that I, I personally feel strongly about, and, and this is, you know, culture thing at many firms, but I think, I think it's important to have meetings with everyone at the firm, not just the partners. It is a firm, it's yep. a team, and the more your staff paralegals, associates feel they're part of the firm, the more they might stay if they get tempted by an offer from another firm, the more buy-in they have. And they feel like they're they're part of something bigger. And I think a lot of firms will have those partner meetings, but not include others. And that can actually have a negative impact overall on the success of a firm. I used to work for a financial firm. It was Monday morning meetings every Monday at like, I want to say 830. It might've been at nine, but either way, I hated those meetings. I mean, <laughs> just because of the timing, probably more than anything else. But yeah, I don't know. I think now is a weird time for meetings, right? Because you got a lot of people still working from home. Has that been part of what you do on advising people how to manage that people at home working remotely versus people in person? You know, I've, I've actually, that hasn't come up recently. It mm-hmm. did last year or early this year, but it seems like people are pretty used to working. Hybrid. Yeah. On the HR side, things can come up about what what actually has come up, which is not a sexy topic, is um like cyber issues related to the remote remote work. Like how to make sure your folks at her at home, their Alexa isn't listening yep. to what they're saying about oh, client information. And then too late. She just heard you, Margaret. Oh, oh never mind, see, Alexa. You have to you have to you have to unplug her. Yeah. And you know. <laughs> There was one client that had a situation, one person, they weren't a client, one one firm shared that they had, they discovered that people were having client documents mailed to the home address. Oh, so yeah. That cut, so on an operation side, the hybrid comes up a lot, but the meeting cadence and, and that, hits, I think people have, have figured it out for the most part. Yeah. My Alexis is starting to tell me things when I, with, without prompting. I mean, not completely random things, but like. It would be like, uh, good morning, Dave. Would you like a morning report or something? And I'm like, no. I don't like that. Creepy woman. I didn't ask you to. Like, there is certain times. Yeah. Paula, do you have an Alexa? Do you have one of the those deals? I do. And I use it mostly for recipes and music. <laughs> that's good. Recipe, that's a, that's a great one. So you can, you'll just, you have certain recipes stored or you'll just, just ask, give me a recipe oh. for chocolate chip cookies or whatever. Yeah, all the good questions. Yeah. The- Alexa. I need a recipe for Christmas apple cake, something like that. Yeah. Oh, I thought she was going to respond. I thought we were going to do this live. I don't think I can do an Alexa voice. I, that was right. It's like, 
Here are 17 recipes for apple cake. Which one would you like? I have no idea. So, Margaret, tell people how they can learn more about what you do and how they can get in touch with you. Sure. Thank you for asking. Yep. So please visit my website, mblawconsulting.com. Again, mblawconsulting. Please also visit me on LinkedIn, Margaret Burke, MB Law Consulting. And then my phone number is 617-702-0529. Very cool. Before uh, we go, we're going to play a round of good stuff where the three of us here on the show will all recommend something for you, the listening public, that might brighten your day. It could be anything. So there's a teaser for you. Before we do that, I'll take a brief moment to remind you what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. It's pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. We produce podcasts. That's right. We create the show from start to finish, either remotely. We'll send you out a nice spiffy USB mic. You can plug in and get to work right away. Or you can come visit us at our Westwood Mass Studios, which have been recently revamped. And I actually vacuumed. So come on in and visit us. Podcasting is a great way to connect with your audience, whether it be clients or for networking purposes or just to build your brand, or maybe it'll just be fun because podcasting is supposed to be fun. Go to pod617.com to get started. It's the Boston Podcast Network in pod we trust. All right, let's play a round of good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. All right, Margaret, you are the guest. You get to go first. And I'm excited because she's going to recommend a movie, and it's one that I've never heard of before. So please go ahead. Okay. So this is a recency movie, but it was amazing. And I would say it was a combination of feel-good, hysterical, and I just think the type of movie that we all need this time of year. So it's called The Grand Seduction. Has anyone... Paula, have you heard of The Grand Seduction? No, but what a great, great title. <laughs> so the seduction takes place in a small seaside town in Nova Scotia that's failing. And they're trying to have a um, factory built there. And as part of the deal, they need a doctor. Mm. So what they do is they try to seduce this young new doctor by, by transforming the town before he arrives can make it look like it's the best place to live. That's funny. And they do so much to get this guy to come and live there. And it's wonderful. It's hysterical. And I highly recommend. Let's take a, at least a brief listen and look to the trailer for The Grand Seduction. I love that. Hey, 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 hey. Ladies and gentlemen, I am pleased to announce that a doctor is coming for one month. If the doctor chooses to stay here, we get the factory. What do the factory make? They make jobs. Who wants to work again? Now we have to make Dr. Paul Lewis believe that Ticklehead is the finest place to call home. Enjoy our beautiful harbor. All I'm asking is to adopt a flirtatious attitude towards the doctor. No. <laughs> Hello, I'm Paul. Terrific. I'm not talking about intercourse. Intercourse. Finding money. Nothing makes me happier. I mean, you're walking along, and then bam, there's five bucks just lying there. Just find that? I just found it right there. The doctor loves cricket. Is this for real? 
Don't think Jesus. What do we do? We have no <laughs> idea how to play cricket. No. <laughs> Uh, they they try to learn how to play cricket and get out there in their uniforms and everything. And apparently they don't know how to play cricket. This is this looks great. I'm gonna check this out. It's awesome. Yeah, it reminds me of the the movie Funny Farm, which is like an underrated Chevy Chase movie, where they they're trying they're in this nightmare of a little town that they just moved to, and they uh, they want to get the hell out and they want to sell the house. But they want they need they need to make the town look appealing, and so they offer rewards for anyone who will do something nice in front of the potential buyers, and the whole town turns into the, they're all smiling and everything because they're going to get paid, and it's all a, a sham. Pretty funny. So good one, Paula. Would you like to go next? I will go next. Okay. What do you got? So I've got this nice, very wintry. Happy thought for the day. That's good. For all of you listening, it's on Pinterest called Snow Kisses. So guess what? No. It's going to be a very short, sweet poem about winter. Here it goes. Okay, go ahead. If you go out when it's snowing and look up at the sky, you'll feel lots of icy kisses as the snowflakes flutter by. It has a cute picture of a kid, arms raised up, face facing the snow, very just happy, joyful. I, I mean, like I it. Think it. I think it's great. All right. You guys win. I'll go Thank outside you. today. You both win. I'll go get the snow kisses. And uh, it's funny, Margaret, you brought up a movie with the word seduction in it, which has nothing to do with sexual things at all. And then Polly brought up a poem about kisses, which aren't about actual kisses, but they're kisses in spirit. This is so. Yes, I will recommend. Well, I'm going to sort of recommend the movie because I only started watching it. I'm only about a third of the way through it, but it stars Aubrey Plaza, who you may know from. She was just terrific on Parks and Recreation, incredibly funny, dry wit to her. And she's in the latest season of The White Lotus. You might have caught her, but she's this is her first like I wouldn't call White Lotus that I guess it is a dramatic role. But this is like a super dramatic role. It's called Emily the Criminal. It just came out on Netflix, I believe. Let's listen to a little of the trailer. So if you had some money, what would you do? I just want to be able to experience things. I just want to be free. <laughs> Hi, I paid 400 and it was never applied to my balance. Sorry, how much is being added a month? How are you? I need a real job just to like pay my loans. Emily, yo, let me help you up. In the next hour, you will make 200 cash, but you will have to do something illegal. Won't be in danger, but you will be breaking the law. Yo, you gonna pay for that? Sorry? I said, are you gonna pay for that? Oh my God. Sorry, man. Tomorrow, you have the option to do another job, okay? What do I have to do? All right. I'm not gonna tell you what she has to do, but it's. As you can tell, it's interesting because it reminds me of there was a show called Made, which was kind of a hit a few months ago. And it was basically a story of a woman who was down on her luck and, and a young woman working as a maid and trying to make ends meet. This feels a little bit like that. She's great in it. The premise is just that she's got a ton of student loans and she's got a, a criminal background, which as the movie opens, we, we think it probably something not terrible in her past, but yet it's on her record. And so every time she goes into a job interview, she has to explain that she's got this criminal record. And 
that must be, re- you can feel her frustration. Like the guy across the table is like, well, I'm going to finish this interview, but I'm probably going to be able to hire somebody that doesn't have a criminal record. I'd probably go that way. So she, as you heard in the clip, she gets invited, I guess, asked if she wants to do something that is illegal. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's not like she's hurting anybody, but she's heading down a road. And I'll stop there. Are you guys intrigued in the slightest bit? I am. Okay. I'm going to check it out. You, you should check it out. Emily the Criminal on, I believe, on Netflix. Well, we are up against the clock here. But uh, Margaret, did we forget to share anything with our listening audience that people should know about your exciting new venture? No, I think we, we covered everything. Just I'm, I'm always happy just to speak and brainstorm. So please reach out. Very good. And give us the, the URL one more time, please, so people know where to go. It, sure. It's mblawconsulting.com. M-B-L-A-W consulting. And don't ask her. She goes by Margaret, okay? It's a lovely Margaret. name, and that's the only thing I Thank will ever you. call you from now on, I promise. Hand to God. I appreciate that. <laughs> and please do meet with Margaret. She is good people. She's a good egg. And I wish you a lot of luck in this, Margaret. And thank you thank all. You. You're welcome. Thank you all for listening to the Boston Podcast. Again, if you like our show, follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your shows. And go to pod617.com if you'd like your own podcast. On behalf of Margaret and Paula, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. See you, everybody. I'm going outside. I swear. Here I go. Margaret.